are listening to Pharmacy IT and Me, your informatics pharmacist podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Pharmacy IT and Me. As with every episode, we start off this one saying that the intended audience is everyone. So some of you already know, but uh, this past week was HIMSS 2021, and uh, the conference just ended, and there was a lot of stuff that happened this week, and uh, Healthcare IT News actually did some coverage on it. So I just picked out some of the highlights and just want to briefly mention it on this episode. So this episode is kind of like a last weekend health IT kind of episode. So just be going over some of the big headlines. Let's just get right into it. So the first thing I want to talk about is one of the presentations that talk about how person-first thinking can improve digital health tools. So the uh, senior product manager at NYU Langen Health, uh, Molly Woodruff, MPH, she actually presented at HIMSS to talk about how person-first thinking can improve digital health tools. Person-first pretty much sounds like what you think it is. It's human-centered processes. So focusing on the person, focusing on the individual. So because of this thinking, um, her and her team are able to create tools that sets them apart, uh, like their digital health for inpatients called MyWall. In her presentation, she does go into more details about the six steps that they use. So uh, empathize and understand your users, define your problem, generate ideas to solve the issue, create a prototype of your best ideas, test your concepts, get feedback from users, and, and implement your solution uh, while also continually measuring success. And I, I think a lot of us know about this, but it's kind of nice to hear that it's broken down into these parts. And it's a nice reminder about like how we should have human sensor processes when we're thinking about these innovative tools. All right, the next thing I want to talk about is how expanding telehealth in the schools have proved effective to address children's health needs. So in Missouri, there was a pilot telehealth program, and it showed that there were decreased absences, and they were able to educate the community on the benefits of virtual health technology. So so Rose Gattas is an RN and virtual health coordinator for Blessing Health System, and she presented this at HIMSS 21. And, you know, the rural communities across the country have had struggles to maintain quality health care during COVID-19. So one of those demographics that struggle are children. So Blessing Health System was actually able to do a school telehealth program in the rural community to address, you know, the specifically children, but also children in the rural community, which is even harder to address. Basically, school nurses would be able to connect students with health complaints to the local providers through telehealth. And then from there, the providers kind of like work with them to figure out what's the best treatment path for this patient. So the school nurses ended up being very embedded in the process. And they found that, you know, 80% of students actually opted in for their first year, which is pretty good. So they're going to be trying to expand into behavioral health uh, in the future. Another presentation at HIMSS was uh, talking about how the healthcare industry can use machine learning ethically. So there's a lot of ethics involved with machine learning and about like patient information. So how do we actually move forward to using it ethically in a way that, you know, it doesn't sacrifice privacy and things like that. And then, you know, there are other issues too, because there's biases in these systems, because these systems are being created by humans, right? So humans inherently have some sort of bias. So how do you get these systems to be unbiased? And they actually found that in a 2019 study, there was bias in an algorithm that would categorically refer one group of patients uh, more than other group of patients uh, because of the algorithm that was written in. So it becomes just a complicated discussion point about what we can do to prevent biases and what are the steps to get machine learning to do it ethically instead of like being categorized and biased towards certain pathways and certain recommendations and things like that. And of course, the next thing I want to talk about is how COVID-19 changed the health industry's approach to machine learning. 
They had a kind of nice discussion between experts from Cerner, Rush, Anthem, and Amazon to talk about how artificial intelligence has been implemented in the last few years. The panel actually talked about how basically before the pandemic, they were looking at it as a, you know, a certain way, you know, typical care and things like that, how we can use artificial intelligence to improve existing care. But because of the pandemic, everything shifted significantly to track COVID-19. So they basically had a dashboard tracking system that tracked all the viruses and it became something that, you know, was used by the entire system. So now because of this, it's going to be a little bit more difficult for them to figure out how to introduce more changes to the system because Currently, because of the shift during COVID-19, staff has already been, you know, fatigued by all these changes. So how are they going to be pushing forward for more changes in a way that, you know, doesn't really burn out the staff? And on top of that, they got to make sure that these technologies are ready to deploy because if they try to push and get things up to speed before they're even fully vetted, then of course, that's going to be introducing more stress to people that's already having to take care of a lot of patients during the pandemic. All right, the next uh, next thing I want to talk about is there was a presentation about how patient experiences on the digital side can actually take cues from consumer-centric companies like Netflix. This is kind of interesting because, you know, it makes sense. Uh, you're looking at a company that's focused on the consumer like Netflix and trying to see like what they did that's right to apply to the patient experience. I don't know if you guys know this, but Netflix started off as a DVD by mail service and over time they kind of just shifted their ways over to streaming and um, it's kind of an example where healthcare should follow something like this where you don't stay in an existing old approach and you actually are able to move forward and adapt to what patients need so that they can get the care that they want in the way that they want it uh, and it's very patient and you know consumer centric. So the presentation was interesting because it was like shifting the mindset that they're not just patients, but they are consumers because they are consuming this healthcare as a product. So if you think about it that way, what can you do to have the best consumer experience that's eventually going to trickle down to being how, you know, patients will consume these healthcare products, if you will, uh, in a, in a better way for themselves and improve their own health. So it was mostly talking about, you know, what is the engagement strategy and how we can focus on engagement strategy with patients so that they can be very involved and engaged in their health. So this next one I thought was really interesting. It's um, Dr. Uh, Yagkuma Crystal from Vanderbilt talked about pushing back on the digital filing cabinet towards EHR usability. So basically when you're thinking about the EHR, it's it's a uh, electronic health record that's mimicking what we kind of already had in the in the past right well so it's like filing cabinet so uh, she was talking about skeuomorphism so skeuomorphism is the act of designing a product digital product to match a physical product and uh, in which consumers are already familiar with so basically the electronic ehr is a bunch of tabs and then each tab has like different things in it right so you go to the orders tab this is where you, you write your orders you go to the patient notes tab that's where your patient notes are it's basically the paper chart made electronic i mean it, it's electronic health record right so um but because it's trying to mimic what we had from a physical sense that you know this is skeuomorphism so when people are using it like the providers are using it it's weird and clunky because they got to go navigate through by mouse click so this also goes into like socio-technical stuff but basically it's clunky to use and one of the things that we should be thinking about in the future is how do we just develop a system that's just easy to use not even think about like how it's uh, done in the past but make this new product as a new way of interacting so at vanderbilt they actually 
have a voice option now. So they're testing it out. They don't know if this is the answer, but it's basically the provider will talk to the computer system in a more natural way. So they will be asking the system like, hey, like what were my patient's labs yesterday? Or show me the most recent x-ray results or something like that, right? Like something that's just verbal and it's more like a natural conversation where you're just asking and you get the information back. So it's it's less like clicking through an electronic version of paper chart and then more like this is the new way of interacting with the EHR. So it's really interesting and I actually want to kind of follow this and see uh, what the results will be in the future. All right, so the next thing is the ONC and the CDC want to fix the fragmented uh, public health system that COVID-19 exposed. So, you know, our public health system has always been there, but because of COVID-19 and how, you know, it kind of did a number on all of us, it kind of exposed that the healthcare IT system that kind of manages all the public health side is not really established or it's not really great in terms of sharing information. So there were a lot of data sharing barriers. So they do get into detail, but basically the overall um, lesson that they learned was you need to really have a unified public health response system, which we don't really have right now in the U.S. And they really need to work on getting that together. So, you know, future things that need like a public health information blast or a centralized kind of location for information, then they'd be able to do that. Because right now everything is just fragmented and siloed. And this causes a lot of problems in communication and education to the public. All right. Another thing uh, that Optum actually talked about was AI is the new paradigm in forecasting infectious disease risk. So they are actually using artificial intelligence and machine learning, you know, those buzzwords uh, to figure out how to forecast diseases like an infectious disease. So they're comparing it to be as accurate as weather forecasting. So they're doing the research now and they started doing it during COVID-19 pandemic and, uh, you know, also trying to track early flu outbreaks in the U.S. in 2019. So what they were just testing out was uh, using their big data and AI computational epidemiology system and uh, getting all the information so they could send out text messages to caregivers uh, as early warnings about like potential areas where outbreaks can happen so they can kind of isolate patients that may be exposed. So, you know, because of COVID-19, it kind of increased the urgency for them to work on accurate forecasting. So that's what they're working on now. And kind of going back to also pandemic-related stuff, legislators at HIMSS 21 pointed that telehealth is a key pandemic era tech. I mean, it's kind of obvious, but just mentioning it again, telehealth went through a huge exponential growth and adoption during the pandemic because you really just had to do it. And when they were looking at the stats on Medicaid expenditures on telemedicine services, it jumped from 27 million pre-pandemic to 612 million during the pandemic. So it's very obvious telehealth has adopted like exponentially during the pandemic. And, you know, since we're speaking about the pandemic, the Moderna CEO was at HIMSS 21 and also talked about a prediction of, you know, there may be 12 to 18 months of more COVID-19 or coronavirus mutations. Just a reminder, you know, the virus is never going to go away uh, from the planet. It's just going to keep mutating. And that's basically what the CEO of Moderna has said. And it's going to be just a bunch of mutations. The good news is the vaccines are working uh, for now. And um, yeah, they just have to pivot and work on booster shots and tweak the sequence to respond to the variants. And that's actually pretty nice that they're able to tweak the sequences to respond to the variants as they get more information pretty quickly. And it's nice. They also said that their goal is to actually have a vaccine that can treat both the uh, flu and COVID-19 at the same time. And just going back on telehealth a little bit more is, uh, you know, telehealth is being adopted everywhere. And just to remind you of that again, is that NASA actually uses telehealth for astronauts in orbit. So those are on the International Space Station, which is low Earth orbit has been a, you know, a place that's pretty prime for telehealth. 
And what's also interesting is that, you know, the conditions and diseases that they may get at the ISS are slightly different than or maybe doesn't even exist on Earth. So, I mean, one of the examples that they talked about was um, it's called SANS, so Space Flight Associate Neuroocular Syndrome. It's uh, it's where the optic disc uh, has an anemia and it causes temporary vision issues. So, and it only happens on people that are in prolonged space missions, and this doesn't have, uh, you know, any existence on Earth for obvious reasons. So, telehealth services is a little bit unique for the ISS, but regardless, it's still being used by NASA. So, yeah, I think that was a lot of stuff that I talked about, and um, usually this news episode is less than ten minutes, so I think I went a little bit over. But if you guys want to hear more about healthcare IT news, check out healthcareitnews.com. They have actually a section that they covered almost everything at Hims Twenty One. So if you want to check out some of the things I talked about here on this episode, you can check out the website. And if you want to just check out, in general, all the other stuff that was covered at HIMSS, uh, healthcareitnews.com actually has a lot of coverage on that as well. All right. If you like our show, please share with your friends, or you can help us out by writing a review on Apple Podcasts or any of your other favorite podcasting services. You can also check us out on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn, and you can also reach out to me at Tony at PharmacyITME.com. If you want to network, you can check out the Pharmacist Slack group at PharmacistConnect.com, which is P-H-A-R-M-A-C-I-S-T-S-C-O-N-N-E-C-T.com. There's different topic channels, including informatics, and I've met some great colleagues on there, and I look forward to connecting with you as well. Thank you again for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode of Pharmacy IT and Me. And remember, technology is a tool, patient care is the goal. I'm